It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to Conversations on the Coast, the Bay Area's premier author interview program. And today, Today we are joined by an old friend. He is Michael Castleman. He's been on the show once before. And we're here to talk today about his latest novel called Killer Weed, published by MP Publishing. And also, I think I should say, it's an Ed Rosenberg mystery. Is that correct? That is right. And I think number number four? Number four. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. I just want to go into your biography a, a little bit. Uh, you grew up in Lynbrook, Long Island, and yes. I used to live in Freeport, just oh, a little further town. east from where you were. Yes, love Freeport. Yeah, and uh, a graduate of uh, the University of Michigan, a master's in journalism from UC Berkeley, and most importantly, for the purposes of understanding this book, You've lived in San Francisco since 1975. That is correct. And you're an award-winning medical journalist, the author of uh, 12 consumer health and sexuality books, blah, blah, blah. And uh, currently you publish something called greatsexafter40.com. Yes, it's a website. Okay. And three previous Ed Rosenberg novels, The Last Gold of San Francisco, Death Caps, and the one that we talked about, A Killing in Real Estate. And if you want to know anything more about this man, call the police. No, don't call the police. Go to his website, uh, mcastleman.com. So that's you. And um, you're a person who is against uh, cannabis prohibition in the present day. which is, is correct. Which is one of the themes of the book. And you indeed have uh, used marijuana over a long period of time. Since 1967, Jim. Okay. And you're also a longtime supporter of anti-prohibition groups such as NORML, N-O-R-M-L, the Drug Policy Alliance and Americans for Safe Access, and you're an outspoken advocate of cannabis decriminalization. Well, I don't know how outspoken I am, but I do speak out. And yes, uh, (laughs) cannabis should be decriminalized. The people who are in prison for it, and there are about 100,000 in the United States, they should all be freed immediately. That's an interesting position. Well, it's a money-saving position for taxpayers. It costs about $100,000 a year to keep anybody in prison. And we have 100,000 people in there for um, selling essentially benign substance. And we're paying like hell to keep them there. We are. And I wanted to uh, work that into uh, a mystery about the hippie period in San Francisco and 40 years of the marijuana business in America. Um, so the the book is really not a uh, rant or a, I'm not up on a soapbox screaming about decriminalization. It's really a human story. It's a story about a family under financial stress 
Mm -hmm. story about uh, uh, parenting in the 21st century. It's a character-rich story, but it is uh, based on uh, my own belief that uh, uh, marijuana should be uh, legalized immediately. Now, I'm glad you make those points, because this this is not a rant, nor is it a, a textbook. It's a very entertaining novel. Uh, which starts off as one critic, I think, or perhaps the publisher said, with a bang. Uh, a candidate for mayor of San Francisco is shot dead. And it, you know, rushes on from there. And at the same time, as in the case of uh, the book about real estate in San Francisco, you continue to tell the story of uh, the main character, Ed Rosenberg's family situation, and his situation in the city and county of San Francisco. Yes, and in this book, his situation is not very good because he used to work for the leading newspaper of the Bay Area, which in my uh, book is called The Foghorn. Yeah. But he, both he and his wife, who also works at the paper, they have been laid off. They are victims of the downsizing of newspapers that I'm sure all of your listeners are familiar with. Mm -hmm. And they are really scrambling. They have gone from two full-time jobs to uh, two freelance uh, incomes, and it's not easy paying a uh, big uh, San Francisco mortgage um, while freelancing. So they are under duress, and both uh, Ed and his wife Julie are actually using drugs to cope. He is smoking more weed, which she does not like, and, he, and she is drinking more alcohol, which he cannot stand. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so the overall story arc of the book is about the history of marijuana dealing in America, but the micro story, the story about the characters and the family, is really about the ways, many ways that drug use impinges on uh, individuals and relationships and families. And I'm sure that uh, many of your listeners are familiar with the uh, pros and cons of drug use uh, in the family setting. And one of the other interesting things that rises from the family setting is that their daughter, who is in what I would say the sixth grade? Sixth grade, yes. Uh, gets booted out of a class for taking her father's position with respect to marijuana. Yes. Uh, the, the daughter, Sonia, is subjected to the D.A.R.E. program, which is uh, taught in San Francisco public schools, and my own children were subjected to this nonsense. And the D.A.R.E. program says that marijuana is as dangerous and hazardous and harmful as heroin, cocaine, uh, crack, and methamphetamine. Uh, and so when Sonia, the daughter, comes home and says this, uh, what, she, what did you do in school today, dear? And she says <laughs> what she learned. And Ed hits the roof and starts screaming about the fact that marijuana is much more benign than heroin and meth and crack. Uh, Sonia goes back to school and repeats what her father said, and unfortunately for her, she won't shut up, and she gets thrown out of class. As a well, I, I think that uh, that's only because she's her father's daughter. You can't, you can't blame it on her. I don't blame her at all. In <laughs> fact, it's a key plot element. Okay. We'll be looking at some of the other key plots elements when we return. You're listening to Conversations on the Coast with Jim Foster. Follow us on Twitter at Jim Foster COC or send an email to Jim Foster COC at gmail.com. Michael Castleman is with us today to talk about his latest novel called A Killer Weed, published by MP Publishing. 
and uh, welcomed uh, very much by one Grace Slick. She says in part, Killer Weed hooked me on page one, and I savored the references to San Francisco in the 60s. A fascinating story with a strong ending. Now, this is what pleases me about all of the fiction that you've written that I've been familiar with, and that is the way you really understand San Francisco's past. Why, well, thank you. And do a hell of a good job conveying it. I, I really like that. I like it a lot. Thanks. I, I love San Francisco history, and I've tried to work that passion into my work. I want to go back to uh, what's the state of things uh, at, at the beginning of your story. Uh, a candidate for mayor by the name of Kirsch has been killed. Two jobs have been lost. A young uh, student, daughter of the main character, is in trouble at school over her remarks about something called the DAP program, Drug Abuse Prevention, that stands for. And this leads you, uh, leads Ed, I'm sorry, I get the two of you mixed up, to seek work. As we talked before, you're in a freelance status at this point. And one of the people he goes to to talk to about work is a fellow by the name of Jim or Gene Simons. Yes. And he offers you, he, I'm sorry, he offers Ed what Ed thinks could be the perfect assignment. What is it? Uh, well, Gene Simons offers Ed uh, several months of work researching the history of the hippie Haight-Ashbury uh, for a museum exhibit, an exhibit at the San Francisco History Museum about the uh, hippie period. And the reason that uh, Gene Simons can sponsor this exhibit is that he is a tech billionaire. Mm -hmm. and the reason that he's interested in the hippie period is that he is adopted and knows very little about his uh, birth mother, except for the fact that she was a small-time dope dealer who was shot to death in Golden Gate Park in 1968 when he was a toddler. And now that he's a wealthy man, he uh, wants to um, uh, expand knowledge about the hippie period, and he is also hoping that Ed might be able to pick up a trace of his long-deceased mother uh, in his research. That mother's name is Jackie Zaretta. And Jackie Zaretta. You, you make a wonderfully important character out of her, yet she doesn't spend much time on the stage. She's an interesting, interesting character to me. Well, thank you. Uh, she's uh, um, Many of my characters are named for people I've known who have passed away, mm -hmm. and Jackie Zarella is one of them. Ed Rosenberg is another. These are two people I went to high school with who, have, uh, who died uh, some years ago, and um, I wanted to honor them by memorializing their names. In the book, Jackie is a completely clueless young hippie chick who's got a little baby, and ran away from home in Albuquerque, and um, is not a very together person. And the irony of, of the, their situation is that um, probably the greatest gift she ever bestowed on her young son was her death, because after she died, he became adopted by a um, you know an upper middle class mm -hmm. family in Palo Alto, and yeah. he became a 
tech guy and, and a billionaire. So um, it's ir- ironic that, um, that her death really uh, is what um, gave her son a future. And the, the other thing about her that I find unforgettable is the way you describe uh, how, how she gets killed. She's in Golden Gate Park. She's with the baby. The baby's in a, a basket or something, and she puts the baby down on, uh, on the grass and then gets shot dead. Yes, she puts down her son, stands up on a blanket, and is shot in the chest Oof. by persons unknown, and the crime is never solved. And so that's one of the, uh, even though it's the murder of the mayoral candidate, Dave Kirsch, that um, animates uh, the story, that sets it in motion. Mm -hmm. Uh, As Ed is researching the hippie hate, he's looking into the murder of this uh, long-dead girl, uh, which is an ice-cold case uh, that no one in the San Francisco Police Department uh, cares about or is even aware of. The other thing about Jackie, at least to me, as... I read her story uh, in the plot of your book. I kept thinking to myself, this is the kind of young woman who is not singular at that time. My my sense of it is that there were many like her walking oh, yeah. the streets of San Francisco. Yes, I, I you know, uh, Jackie is portrayed as a sort of uh, stereotype uh, hippie chick. Mm who um, was a runaway and came to San Francisco, and she is one of the, you know, in every generation there are, um, you know, aimless, drifting young people who aren't quite sure what they're doing with themselves. And uh, in in the uh, baby boomer generation, uh, that Jackie was one of them who uh, wound up uh, coming to San Francisco and... Um, uh, and during that period, I, I don't know how many of your listeners were here then, but, um, you know, there was a huge influx of, of drifting, young, aimless people mm. who wound up essentially camping out in Golden Gate Park and causing sanitation nightmares. And, and the city and the police were really down on, uh, quote-unquote, dirty hippies. That's right. And the other thing this group of young people was was, a ready market for drugs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, I mean, Jackie is a small-time marijuana dealer when she is shot, uh, but she also dabbles in dealing speed. And, uh, yes, there were all kinds of uh, drugs in the Haight-Ashbury at that time. And, of course, uh, you know, drugs have been a, uh, are a theme in uh, American culture ever since. You know, I think everybody would like to know who killed the mayoral candidate. We'll look at that when we return. You're listening to Conversations on the Coast with Jim Foster. Follow us on Twitter at Jim Foster COC or send an email to Jim Foster COC at gmail.com. Killer Weed. That's the novel we're talking about today. We have with us the author of the book, Michael Hasselman, and uh, a gentleman by the name of Ed Rosenthal. A lot of Eds around here. Uh, has said some interesting things about this book. In part, this tale shows a side of the quest for green gold that few people outside the isolated culture ever see. While couched as a mystery, it is a rare glimpse into the outlaw culture that prohibition created, and I might add, continues to create. No? Yes. 
And this book, in this book, you show how people wanting to uh, have and use marijuana uh, go to suppliers, and the suppliers get cut off from one source and then another source, but they keep going. And, and finally, it comes down to growing your own, probably in a place like Mendocino. Mendocino, or basically anywhere in the United States, marijuana is grown from uh, Nome, Alaska to Key West, Florida. And the market is hot because people use it just not for pleasure now, but also for medicinal purposes. Yes, it's a uh, potent medicine and uh, has many uses and and is probably going to have even more when uh, it's a lot when it's easier to do research on marijuana. You know, it's been very difficult to uh, research the medical value of mm-hmm. cannabis because of the prohibition. But now as prohibition crumbles, uh, research is, um, is gaining momentum, and they're finding out a whole lot of new things that are very interesting. Well, we have to find out a lot of new things about the plot, the mystery plot of this book. And you can help us do that if you'll do that reading that we've agreed to, please. Yes, well, this reading takes place toward the end of the book, uh, as Ed uh, Rosenberg, the protagonist, is uh, ruminating about things, and takes place at a hippie reunion at Longshoreman's Hall, and here we go. Ed wandered toward the stage. As the band finished a funky rendition of All Along the Watchtower, he ruminated on Dave Kirsch's death. Tommy might have killed him in a drunken rage, but could he aim a rifle while blind drunk? Al Miller might have done it to save his marriage or torture his ex, but he'd been out of prison for 40 years. Did he still have the connections to hire a hitman? Olivia had the ancient riflery award and might have gotten sick of Dave's philandering, but it seemed like she would have made her peace with it by now, not to mention that losing him had clearly devastated her. Owen might have arranged it to derail the memoir and keep all the money. But he and Dave had always had a contentious partnership. Why kill him now? Was there anyone else? Ed's thoughts drifted to Reno. Joe Bogan claimed he wound up there by coincidence, but it put him in convenient striking distance of his old partner. Maybe he had a private beef with Dave. He was dying, after all. Perhaps he decided to settle an old score while he still could. Then Ed recalled Jackie, cuddling with Doug at the B-Inn. She'd come to San Francisco for peace and love, but found mostly the opposite. Had she lived, would her boy have become a huge success? Probably not. In all likelihood, her greatest gift to her son was her death. She was on Hippie Hill, cradling him in her arms. She set him down on the blanket and then stood up. Finally, Ed flashed on Detective Ramirez. He kept talking about ballistics, how he couldn't go to the DA without a ballistics match. Ed worked his way to the door, stepping into a cool, foggy San Francisco evening that smelled of salt water, seals, and sourdough. It all came down to ballistics. Then he had a thought and pulled out his phone. I'll bet he's calling the cop. He is, Jim. He is. I remembered that. This book is is marvelously written. I mean, to cover as much ground as you cover in this book, I think, is quite extraordinary. I mean, this is a this is a murder mystery, and and at the same time, it is a, a history of drugs in the Bay Area and in the sense about the country, uh, 
And it also is a very sympathetic story of how a family in the midst of it all has to fight like hell to keep it together. Now, it's quite a, quite a big book, although it's not all that long. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Castleman, it says here in a statement from the publicist, has been a cannabis consumer since 67. And during the past 45 years, he has read extensively about about the business of marijuana. But more importantly, he was coaxed. He has coaxed many of his dealers to reveal how they've obtained their weed and run their businesses. Now, that ability to, to get the dealers that you know or, and or have dealt with to, to talk, I think is one of the extraordinary background achievements of the book. You know, I, I've been a reporter for a long time, and, and uh, reporters develop a, uh, a facility for uh, uh, getting people to open up. Yeah, but, you're a pain uh, in the neck. Right. Or other but regions. The irony of this was uh, that it was the dealers were dying to tell me about their business. I didn't have to prompt them or coax them much at all. I mean, they were in business, and no one ever asked them about it. And it's a fascinating business, and, of course, it's a very challenging business. Every business is challenging. Yeah. But an illegal business, a clandestine business, requires tremendous um, creativity and, and, um, and just uh, entrepreneurial um, skill. And so, um, you know, obviously my dealers did not uh, give me names and addresses of their supply chain, but, um, in general, they were happy to talk about, uh, what they knew about where their weed came from and how they obtained it and how many middlemen there were. And, um, and, uh, uh you know, I just sort of prompted them a little bit and, and they took the baton and ran with it. We have 30 seconds. In those 30 seconds, could you tell us what you think the next step in cannabis decriminalization ought to be? Please. Well, uh, I think the next step in California is going to be the initiative that's going to be on the ballot in 2016 mm -hmm. uh, to uh, decriminalize recreational use, as has been done in Washington and Colorado. And I think the slogan should be, yes, we cannabis. <laughs> Very, very good. And so is the novel, Killer Weed, by Michael Castleman. This is Conversations on the Coast, and I'm Jim Foster. Follow us on Twitter at Jim Foster COC, or send an email to jimfostercoc at gmail.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.